0: And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're so glad you're joining us. We are uh, interviewing Mitch Thompson today. Thank you, Mitch, for joining us on Spirituality Adventures. Thanks for having me. Mitch is... uh, been been doing creative stuff, I think, most of his life. And um, you are a graduate from MU, is that right? Hmm. MU in uh, film studies, is correct. that correct? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you do uh, prop work, creative work. You did a YouTube channel called Blind Covers, and mm-hmm. uh, you we could add all kinds of uh, creative tags to your your life work so far but i i really appreciate you joining us on spirituality adventures we've been trying to make this connection for a while now
1: yeah i, I i've been a uh, elusive I, i've always heard uh, you you have to make a, a podcast host want it a little to, <laughs> to make sure that you're really that that guest but <laughs> <All right. laughs> also just bad at responding to texts so. oh there we go but I, yeah. I like the the first makes it sound more mysterious
0: yeah well you it, you did it it worked
1: <laughs> yeah
0: so we, you're, we, and you're here yeah. we made it so yeah good job well let's let's uh have you introduce yourself to our audience in terms of just where you grew up kind of a little bit of your background story and how you got into sort of the creative world
1: yeah um uh so i'm from uh gladstone missouri which is just sort of like north of the river very suburban uh i i very rarely uh ventured south of the river for much of my young adult life uh which for anybody uh Anybody not from Kansas City who may be listening is where all of the cool stuff was when I was growing up. So very like hermetic uh, suburban life um, until I was like, you know, 17, 18. Um, uh, Yeah, as as far as like creativity goes, um, I don't know really where that started other than just kind of uh being a very like quiet in my head kid who like spent most of my time either like thinking or playing video games um basically i i didn't like running so that made my options kind of limited um and had had to find some other outlets for any energy I had.
0: So you're like, you mean like running in sense of all things sports? Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah, like- just being outside, being uh, moving my body uh, more than like a couple feet at a time. It, it just wasn't <laughs> my wasn't my forte. Um, I yeah, I, I I much preferred being posted like nine inches from my television um, taking in as much, uh, as many flashing lights as I could.
0: What's your three most recent listens to music? How are you listening to music? What are you listening to lately?
1: Ooh. Um, I've been on a real mountain goats kick. I'm kind of always on a mountain goats kick. Uh, but, um, I've been a friend of mine is, like wanted an introduction to their music. So I put together like a a playlist of sort of their greatest hits. So I've been um, going through that. Um, uh, I've been in a real uh, roots mood lately. Um, I think like Questlove doing a lot of interviews for Summer of Soul has got me kind of back into listening to them. So um, they actually did um, a live album in, I think, Sweden. That's really great that I've been Mm -hmm. listening to that a whole lot um and then uh i'm actually looking uh uh on my turntable right now i have uh the atomic blonde the soundtrack <laughs> which uh yeah j- just great like 80s new wave like post punk yeah like uh, like kind of like foggy berlin music
0: <laughs> so you know it's funny i Cause I'm a seven, you know, I, I grew up in the seventies on prog rock and, Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But, and then the eighties when everything went to hairband metal, you know, I mean, I just didn't really get into that scene so much, you know, mm-hmm. the glam band hairband stuff, but the, the, that, that, what you just name that, that scene in the eighties was kind of kind of where I found myself.
1: Following yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, cool. Um, what are you currently reading or how do you consume information if it's podcasts or mm-hmm. whatever? How do you, what are you listening to or reading lately? Like I mean, information. podcast is a
1: way bigger uh, question. I, I have been like getting into reading more. Um, I, uh, I just finished, uh, I never read the Hobbit, so I just read through that. Um, wow. and I would also never read any uh, Kurt Vonnegut. So oh. I'm uh both of these were just sort of like saw them at like a like a dusky bookstore for 25 cents. I was like, you know what, I should finally read this. Which which um, Vonnegut book did you pick up? Uh Breakfast of Champions. So okay. th- th- started with the like uh like English 101 freshman year huh. pick, but but it, you know it it hit me. I was just like, oh yeah, no there's a reason this is like, uh, I, I guess like the, everybody's intro to postmodernism almost yeah. seems like, <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: oh, no I've cool. been
1: loving it. And then podcasts is, uh, we could do a whole episode alone on what I'm listening to, but, um, like the big one, I have like a couple tracks of like, in my like film shows, uh, film spotting out of Chicago, was basically like my film school. Like I've been listening since like 2006, like in mm-hmm. high school. It was like my introduction to like world cinema and kind of like thinking deeply about film. Um, and more recently, uh, Blank Check, which is kind of like the, um, it's like comedy meets serious film criticism And mm-hmm. like a um, they do basically mini series on a filmmaker at a time. Um, and it, that, that's kind of the show that like single handedly me, got me single-handedly like got me through the pandemic. Um, so big fan of that. And then like design podcasts, like 99% invisible, um, team Deacons, which is, uh, Roger Deacons and his wife talking to other, like. Um, filmmakers and like film professionals and kind of like just about working in the industry. And it's one of the best reflections I've heard of working in film.
0: Cool. Cool. Those are all, you know, I haven't listened to any of those, but um, the, uh, the, we, who was, what was the guy's name that we interviewed on here that, that does the local he and his wife they watch old movies that they've never watched before. Oh,
1: Patrick Poe.
0: Patrick Poe here local mm-hmm. you know Patrick? Have you met mm-hmm. him? Okay. And then he's, I did He's and then, a little
1: bit younger than us, Mitch, but he uh he just started getting into film probably four, three or four years ago. But he's been doing a lot here in Kansas City. Oh,
0: cool. Local guy. And it's kind of a fun podcast. I mean he and his wife just watch old movies that they've never watched. They're kind of like like sort of iconic movies. Mm-hmm. And and uh and then they but it, it, they, they dive pretty deep on it but still have a lot of yeah. fun. And then I also interviewed uh, Adam Roberts at uh, Screenland Armor. Mm-hmm. He, he runs Screenland and then he he does a, a film uh, thing in April, isn't that coming up here in April?
1: Panic Fest is getting ready Pan- Panic to Fest. Happen, yeah.
0: Oh here yeah, here in Kansas City. So those are the two uh local film interviews I've done. Yeah, you should anyway. definitely yeah. check out
1: Patrick's. It's called First Timers Movie Club.
0: First timers okay. movie club. I'll check yeah. that out. It's yeah. really
1: fun. Yeah, yeah, and awesome. I'm I'm like a like a diehard Screenland fan. Just in like almost like morally, like I I've, I've been a few times when I'm home, but more like. Because I went to North Kansas City High School and the fact that like there is now like an all ages punk club with like a cool like queer punk scene and like this like art house theater all in walking distance from where I was in high school at. I'm like, that. that's always what I wanted. And I I, I love that Ever like all of the kids going there now have this access to like like a portal to like cool culture basically that i i kind of had to like dig for when i was in high school
0: yeah that's fun all right what's the craziest thing you've ever done in kansas city since you're a kansas city kid you know Mm. crazy fun crazy yeah whatever crazy get you in jail any of those
1: (laughs) (laughs) i i mean uh, I mean, there's an answer to that one. Like, I <laughs> when I was... I, I was a very, like, buttoned-up kid. Like, I, I was terrified of breaking the rules. Um, I guess the one exception is when I stole, like, thousands of dollars of video games when I was working at GameStop. Um, uh, I, yeah, I like, right at... Actually, I was still in high school, but, um, yeah, just... Stole so much and they uh, ended up getting caught and, uh, you know, not great, but uh, I, I had some good times with those video games, though. <laughs> I think that's how I got Oblivion. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, OK. Well, that counts. All right. Good yeah. one. All right.
1: But uh, otherwise, not a lot of like. Yeah. I didn't have like an adventuresome like teen years. Yeah. Other than, yeah. Well, (laughs) okay. So there was a a mutual friend of ours. And this is also like the nerdiest setup to like a, like a fun teen prank story. Uh, we were on an improv team and we were upset that our friend uh, was skipping improv practice to hang out with his girlfriend. Uh, which very on brand for me. Um, So we decided to uh, go to all of the local barbershops and ask for their uh, trash cans full of hair. And uh, we filled the... uh, bed of his truck with hair. Oh my god! Uh, thinking like, oh, it's like a fun prank, uh, and uh, he didn't agree. And, and like, as soon as he came out and got really upset, like we very quickly sobered up, and it was like, oh, that was weird. That was that was weird and mean to do. Um, yeah. did, he,
0: did he slap you?
1: No, but he <laughs> he, he got very huffy about it.
0: I I'm still haven't gotten over the
1: Oscars, you know, so anyway. yeah, I mean, w- as, right. as a culture, we may never. <laughs> 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 oh my.
0: Yeah. All right. I won't go there anyway. Um, what's the last thing you binge watched? Ooh.
1: That's hard. I'm not a big binge watcher. I like, I, there has been something, but like my brain just can't do TV. Um, just like, I, I don't have the attention span for it. I I'll get like really into a series um, and I'll watch like you know, two, three episodes in a night and say, like, this is incredible. I cannot wait to watch more of this. And then I will never go back to it. Hmm. I, I I'll, I'll Or I'll be like, oh, I need to, like, save some of this so that I have more to watch later. And then I just never go back. Like, part hmm. of me is, like, I, I want to... Uh, I'm, like, afraid of finishing it and not having any more like good stuff left but part of it is also just like i yeah attention span okay i i i think i'd like yeah movies are more my medium i i i don't love this trend toward everything being a tv series Mm. um i think uh there is there is a real art form to being able to like tell a complete story in one work in like Mm -hmm. one sitting, Mm -hmm. um, like having, having a complete character arc. And like, once, like some of these stories, once you start dragging them out to like eight, 10 hours, it's there's, there's like a point where you are like really getting able to spend more time with, you know, characters and sit in how they're feeling, but then you start stretching it a little further and it's like this didn't need to be 10 hours. Just like a lot of movies are like this doesn't need to be two and a half hours. Like mm-hmm. you you can do so much in 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting um
0: I, I hear people on you know on both sides of that. Um but I, I've been reading a gal named Julia Cameron right, lately who Wrote a wrote a book years ago called The Artist's Way that is a uh, kind of like taking the twelve step approach to blocked artists. Oh my God, are you kidding?
1: Yeah, me? Uh, yeah. My 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 laptop was literally sitting on a copy of The Artist's Way that I have been. That's crazy. Uh, in in process of uh, starting for several months now. Of it's of like
0: you need to let me know what you think of it. I'm. I'm on She's divided up like a course, like a 12 week course. And I'm on, yeah. I'm on week eight and I'm, I'm actually mm-hmm. working through the whole thing cause I'm treating my, this whole meltdown of my life kind of like a creative recovery Yeah, for me. So anyway, but yeah, she talks about, you know, she, she's been doing plays and movie scripts and screenwrites for years, decades. You know, mm-hmm. she's married to Martin Scorsese at one time, and you know? Oh. Yeah. Interesting. She's influenced just, Elizabeth Gilbert. And I mean, you just go on and on and on the people she's mm. influenced, but, uh, fascinating yeah. But yeah, she was, she was in there calling the, uh, the, mi- the mini, mini series of bastardized <laughs> kind of thing. She was not mm. a huge fan. of even when the first mini series started, you know, kind of coming yeah. out like,
1: which... but anyway, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, th- there's an art to it. And like, sometimes it works. I, I like it as a happy medium between like film and the old style of like TV series where you, would you know, you'd be shooting for like a second, third season pickup and it'd be like 20 episodes, which like, that is also not like sustainable for like good storytelling. So like th- there are great, like single seasons of television. Like I think, um, Several years ago, there was this show, uh, Carriers, on FX that, like, it was supposed to be, like, they were trying to make it, like, a multi-series show, but it ended up getting canceled. It was, like, just, like, eight or ten episodes, but kind of ended up being a perfect, like, a perfect arc of a story that I was, like, I'm sad that, like, these people didn't continue to get to work. But I love that it 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 just ends in a like in a complete way. Yeah. Like I'm I'm not fully against the miniseries series thing. Yeah. I just don't like that a lot of uh we used to have like mid-budget adult dramas that played like blockbusters mm. um and those have all gone away and those mm. are all miniseries now because that's the mm. only way they can get made yeah yeah so so i like yeah. midnight mass oh yeah midnight mass Ooh, i haven't seen that one it's a trip <laughs> I, I hear it's great yeah
0: <laughs> it is a trip yeah mm-hmm. well um what what's the favorite place you've ever visited in the whole world paris awesome yeah,
1: it, it, yeah. Just very quick.
0: I have not like, ever been to Paris. So yeah, that's on, that's probably on my bucket list.
1: I I've heard it described as like the one place that you can't really oversell. Hmm. Um, it, it's just, it, it was also like my first time like going to Europe, but, hmm. um, yeah, it, it just like, Oh, you know, exactly where you're at. Um, it, yeah, it, it's great. Hmm.
0: Very cool. What's, uh, what do you do for fun when you just have free time?
1: Uh, Productive or unproductive? (laughs) Um, Ah, Either. (laughs) What's fun? Um, on a good day, I will just kind of take my camera and go to a part of the city that I don't go to normally and walk around. Um, that's like, that's my, uh, that's my like sound good answer that I I like. I don't generally do that. A lot of times it's I'll I'll crash on my couch and like recently it's I'll just like flop onto my couch in my dark living room and play Hades because uh, that has been taking up just hours of my time. Um, but yeah, are the pictures on your
0: Instagram like from doing those kind of mm-hmm. forays into yeah. the city? Yeah. There's some cool yeah. pictures on there. I like, I like, oh, thank you. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It was um, kind of,
0: Oh, go ahead. Now what's your, do you have some things on your, like, I call a bucket list if you want, you're young for that, but what are some things you definitely want to get done before you, Before your
1: life? Um, I definitely want to go to Japan, um, mm. which I, I think I, some friends and I are planning on doing that next year. It sounds like, um, yeah. Like the, the easy one is just travel more. And yeah. like, um, I, yeah, there, there are a lot of places I want to see a lot of, um, yeah, that, that's the the big boring answer, but yeah. I like yeah. that. What's uh,
0: what's your most embarrassing moment?
1: <sighs> I mean, how much time do we have
0: funny embarrassing? Um,
1: could be, yeah. That'd have to be, um, I'm weirdly hitting a block. I, I think because like there's so much stuff that comes to, that could come to mind. Um, let's come back to that. Okay, I need to. I need to think right. on that for a
0: second. What about do you do you believe in aliens?
1: Um, broadly, yes, uh, that we can interact with. Probably not. But it it's one of those things that is kind of fun to to dabble in believing every now and then. Like I you know, I, I like a good UFO story as much as anybody. Sure. <laughs> once once my like critical mind gets a hold of it, I'm a little more skeptical, but it, yeah. it, it's fun to believe. Sure.
0: So what drew you to um film studies at, at MU, like what, what, like, cause you're watching video games. How do you get from video games to, uh, wanting to do a major in film study?
1: Well, so I actually originally went to Mizzou, uh, for journalism. Um, specifically, uh, I wanted to be, um, like a video game journalist. Cause like this was, um, I guess backing up into high school, um, like right when iTunes first added podcasts, um, I uh, got very curious and like back then it was literally just like, you know, people in their living room kind of trying to like self-produce these little um, uh, almost like public access radio shows, Mm -hmm. um, which uh, I loved. Cause like, that's when I was like, like mowing yards for money in the summers. So I would just like download all of these like weird nascent podcasts and listen to those while I was mowing. Um, and that was kind of my exposure to like, kind, kind of my like big exposure to like thinking about art in different ways. Um, so like, I like an early one, one of the first like major, uh, um uh i remember um ebert and roper uploaded their uh weekly tv show just the audio as a podcast they were like one mm-hmm. of the very like early um yeah uh people to buy into that and so that was kind of a an outlet for me to yeah sort of discover, to listen to that one
0: yeah
1: oh yeah, yeah 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 that was fun yeah and then um Uh, like right around that time, uh, when I was in middle school, they would uh, upload or no, um, the school just got free bundles of newspapers for the students to read just kind of as a, like, I don't know if it was like an official program or we could just like walk into our homeroom and grab the, um, Kansas city star And I would always like pull out the, on Thursdays, they had the FYI, like arts and culture section. And I would just read all of the reviews for the movies coming out that week, Mm -hmm. um, which like was mostly the big releases, but every once in a while there would be some like weird indie film that Mm -hmm. just the concept that it's like, Oh, this is a, this is something I'd never heard before, but this Mm -hmm. person really likes it and vouches for it. Um, so those kind of both like spark that like curiosity about art and specifically film. Mm. but then um, I was also uh into uh video game podcasts, so like um their uh there's this one called team Fremont live, which was literally just like three dudes in Minneapolis getting together and like having beers and talking about video games. Um, and I got really into that and like joined their forum, which ended up being a, a nice little like haven for like kind of like artistic Midwesterners, like just all like all over the map, but people who, you know, like, horror movies and art films and like different video games, just kind of being able to like talk about culture. And they, um, uh, let me do a lot of like writing for them. Like I would just, you know, when I was still in high school, um, I'd be like, I want to program like a summer film festival for this. And so I just like put together a bunch of like, it was like a weird collection of films every year. Um, But just stuff that I wanted an excuse to watch and talk about. Like that was my first exposure really to like Kurosawa films and um, just basically anything that I had heard, like, this is good. And like, you should like uh, engage with this in some way. Hmm. Um, And then that was also um, right when um, video games journalism was starting to go from like consumer reviews into actual like criticism into like,, um, you know, more like, you know, uh, buy or don't buy this game into, what is this game trying to say and how does it say it differently than any other medium could? And that was the stuff that like, was really interesting me. Like I remember, um, uh, games for windows magazine was weirdly like, had this high concentration of great writers who thought really critically about games and wanted to like, get into, uh, like deeper writing like uh Jeff Green was a like a huge influence on me. Um uh just that kind of group of people. Um yeah it, it hit me at a point when I was starting to think really critically about art and I was like, well I like video games and uh it's a match made in heaven. So I initially went to uh University of missouri uh for their journalism program, wanting to get into that kind of writing hmm. um, and uh lived in the dorms my first semester and uh, was unaware of uh, kind of depression as a concept uh, but it was it was very aware of me um so I like it like hit me hard, um, to the point where I like, like borderline agoraphobic almost like Mm. I, I would like miss a couple classes and then get so in my head that like, well, I can't go back to that class because then they will like judge me for having missed classes. So I filled out hard my first semester. Um, uh, came back to Kansas city. And my parents basically said, like, you, like you can live here, but you have to go to school. So I did, um, like three semesters at, um, uh, Maplewoods community college in the Northland. Um, basically like all of my friends had moved away, basically just going to community college and like like at that point my basically my only uh outlet was driving around town to like just exploring parts of the city i had never been to before and listening to podcasts and like mm-hmm. listening to music and like cycling between those and so i listened to a lot of um film spotting it was one of my that was basically my film school um i had been listening to it since high school but Um, they're now like, uh, on like NPR through, um, uh, WBEZ out of Chicago and just kind of this, like, uh, like they've kind of become like one of the modern greats of like popular film criticism, but they were my introduction to so much stuff and just being able to, um, Yeah. Like despite my like isolation, have this connection to some outside like film criticism and film talk and being able to like be a part of um, like film culture, I guess um, like really got me through that period. Okay. And so I uh, eventually in like 2009 went back to uh mizzou and uh i just missed enough time that they were like yeah journalism probably isn't going to work out so i was originally thinking english um and i took um a uh just like the intro level film course um and it kind of changed my life um I mean, like, that. that's saying it very broadly, but um, uh, being able to, like, take everything that I had been engaging with on my own and um, being able to, like, discuss it with other people and uh, it, it just very much, like, opened me up. Um, and I remember they... I was i think i was i was in the first class to graduate with a film studies major um, they basically announced that they were going to be making it a major and i remember having just a shaky like heavily rehearsed call with my parents being like you know i th- i think i want to switch my major to film like expecting them to freak out and they were like oh no that's great like oh you like give a shit about something? Absolutely. Like, please do that. And I was like, Oh, cool. I like, of course not knowing what I was going to do with it, but knowing that like, this is the thing that I'm most passionate about and want to spend as much time engaging with as possible.
0: Yeah. Cool. You know, not to do maybe too deep a dive here, but I'm curious when you were growing up, did you have any kind of faith background and then and then the other thing is, when you went through this depression, um, did did you do some how, did you do some work on yourself? I mean, did you did you go to a counselor? Or did how did how did you navigate that? And is that something that you continue to wrestle with, or, or just yeah, you know, mental health to me and spirituality and self awareness and those kind of things kind of blend together for me a little bit. You know, I was just curious since oh, yeah. you mentioned that you kind of, you hit MU, you pulled out because of some depression issues? Did I hear you right?
1: I I, I was, the decision was made for me to to be okay. pulled out by the school. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I. But,
0: but what created that was some depression issues, though. So.
1: Yeah, right? which started to, to pop up in, uh, like, my senior year of high school, which mm-hmm. I think was written off as just, like, burnout and senioritis. Um, but, w- like, looking back, it's like, no, that was clinical depression. Um, okay. But, um, like, weirdly, again, like, the thing that helped me start to reckon with it most was podcasts. Okay. Um, which I wouldn't, like... I wouldn't say to anybody out there struggling like podcasts will fix you because <laughs> that wasn't the case for me but like um i like discovered a couple um not like self-help mental health podcasts but um the um, mental illness happy hour was a big one which was basically just comedians and other podcasters I liked talking about their experiences with mental illness hmm. um, and more than anything it was a means of um, like naming what I had yeah. and hearing other people's experiences with it and mm-hmm. like realizing that it was like survivable and navigable um, and that kind of gave me like a roadmap of how to deal with things yeah. and words to deal with things. Um I did eventually like get into therapy, which was like hugely successful and like mm-hmm. got on medication, which was phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. um I I had a uh I I had a brush with therapy in high school. Um but that was kind of at my mom's insistence her being like, your grades are struggling. You need to like, see somebody about this. Uh, and my, my only therapy session in high school, she sat in on and it was basically her telling the therapist, like everything I needed to work on. And it, it was very like out of my hands. Um, so, which uh, I'm sure she is mortified hearing me tell that story, but I, I bring it up any chance that I can. Um But no, like it. that was the way like she knew to deal with it, because Mm -hmm. um, I don't I don't know if many of you uh, or many of your guests have noticed this. But uh, culturally, the Midwest is not great at naming and dealing with uh, mental illness historically. um, It's getting better, but. I, I just looking back through um, like my family history and family histories of people I know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's very much this culture of that's just how it is. And you gotta deal with it. Right. You gotta or not, not deal with it, but you yeah. gotta get over it.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my generation really didn't go to counseling or yeah. therapy or anything like that. And I, I only, I only came to it late, you know, in my life. And I'm so thankful for it. And I talk about it and I talk about everything I've gone through and the meltdown I went through Mm -hmm. and all that because um, not just for me, but for, I think it helps other people to hear those stories and hear how people get through it. So just like you were listening to podcasts and people were being open about, you know, their own struggles, it, it helped you. Right. Oh, hundred percent. You know? Yeah. So and get, I, yeah. Get, And so I think there's something when people are willing and comfortable to talk about some of these issues, I think it's always helpful to a listener somewhere. You never know where, you know?
1: Yeah. I am like, <clears throat> I, that experience made me like just a huge vocal, like shouting from the rooftops advocate of like, just talk about your shit. Like, right. Right. Just uh, yeah. And not even like as a prescriptive thing, like not everybody can, but I know that I can. So I will until people tell me to stop. Like, (laughs) um, yeah.
0: (laughs) What was your, any kind of faith background at all? Did you guys, did your family grow up in any, have any faith traditions that they followed or anything like that?
1: Yes. Um, I, I grew up Methodist, um, but it, it was always kind of just the thing we had to do on Sundays. Um, I didn't really uh, like feel much engagement or connection to it when I was a kid. Um, I remember I, I have no conception of like what age I was at any point in my childhood tell, re, recapping stories. But at one point when I was young, I was at church and um, Like, my mind would always wander. uh, And there was one time everybody was doing some recitation or singing or something. And I, like, got really freaked out by it. Like, I I remember looking around at everybody, like, chanting or singing something together and just being like, this is weird. And like, and specifically having the thought, because I was so afraid of like the devil in the apocalypse, just as like nebulous, vague forces. Like it was to my core terrified. Um, but I, I remember I was like, if, if people were, doing this for the devil, it would be the scariest thing in the world. So why is this normal? Like not understanding like that. Yeah. J- just looking around as a kid and seeing everyone doing the same thing at the same time, like seemingly also unfeeling, like, cause a lot of times when you're at that kind of church and people are just doing the same recitations over and over it's almost like a muscle memory. Like you're not like engaging with what you're saying. Um, At least not in my experience, it didn't seem like people were. And it it just, it it, like scared the shit out of me. I should have asked, can we curse on this podcast? No, you're fine. (laughs) I've always, cool. I've I've always wanted to ask, oh, can I curse on this? Um, But no, like, and yeah, it just... I guess kind of freaked me out and, and also kind of, especially coming of age in the early two thousands and like the, the Bush administration and like post nine 11 and kind of becoming like conscious politically at that moment, kind of seeing the way like the American evangelical sect was going Um, like I didn't grow up evangelical, like I've since come to learn, like Methodism is one of the more relatively chill sects of like American Christianity, but, um, in some respects, uh, but I, I got really, I guess like, I don't know if it's like fully anti church, but I really rejected a lot of that. Um a, a, kind of a lot of what I saw of the like American Christian movement to stand for. Um, you know, that you know, I- issues that I think we are still seeing playing out today where there's this obsession with um like abortion and that's basically it. Like, it, it feels like since the 70s, like, the evangelical sect of Christianity has kind of forgone all other consideration of pain and suffering um, and kind of replaced it with moralizing, um, which I have just always really struggled with. Um, and I've since, like, you know, come around to some... Like there have been people in my life, like, like Matt and Sam Wells, who I, I see are like very like thoughtful, considerate Christians, which for, for a while growing up, I didn't think existed. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I like, it, it felt like that was kind of gone. And that was kind of my exodus from the church. Um, so it's been kind of a a rediscovery process of coming around and finding people who, um, you know, have actual, like, have the ability to meet people where they are, which I think is something that, uh, the American, that I, that I feel like Christianity had kind of lost for a while, at least in my experience. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. If, if any of that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I think, um, man, I'm, uh, I'm going to be interviewing a guy named Brian McLaren here in a, a few weeks. And, um, you would love probably listening to dropping in on that interview, uh, because his, yeah. his critique of, you know, the evangelical, Church and and then where to go from here, kind of a deal. Because still, still very much a person of faith. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, I I think definitely the evangelical church became a one-issue politically kind of organization. Which, um, which honestly, I think you know, in it's gonna it's gonna have to change. Um, and, uh, Oh yeah, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't disagree with your critique though. Uh, I think think there's some real truth in what you just said. So, so let's talk about, you know, kind of like your, your career and, you know, um, what you've done since college, uh, give, give us, give us some, uh, take us to where you're at now in terms of, um, prop master yeah Is that what you call, um, call yourself so prop master yeah yeah that we're kind of jumping uh, through a lot of stuff there but um yeah yeah I, I bring us give us give people sort of a 101 on on mitch and your your creative career and yeah how it's brought you into this world of prop master
1: mm-hmm. i love that so term. i um <laughs> oh everybody does it, it, it's it's the flashiest of the like film department head titles um I yeah I um kind of like everybody else I came out of film school thinking like well I guess I want to direct because like that's that's the position that gets to be creative like that that's kind of how it's always presented is like, the direct, the director is the creative person on a set, and then everybody else just kind of executes that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I uh, moved out here, and well, and also like while I was at school, like. And let's um, tell our audience: like,
0: out here means you moved from Kansas City oh, to uh, I'm where? In Los
1: Angeles. Los yeah. Angeles, all um, right. What part of Los yeah. Angeles? Uh, North Hollywood, up in the okay. San Fernando Valley. Wow. So, Close to, close to a couple of the, the big studios that people know. Um, I've, but I've, I, um, I've toured a few of those
0: just for yeah. fun, like a yeah. tourist, you know, like mm-hmm. a tourist. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There, uh, <sighs> whenever I have family in, uh, in town, I'll, uh, make them like my prop assistant for the day and just take them to all the prop houses. Cause there's like. Los Angeles, like all of the big tourist stuff that, you know, uh, sucks. Like it, it's garbage. Like Hollywood and Highland is just one of the worst places on the planet. Like uh, I, I came when I was in high school to visit some family and came away. Like we did all of the tourist stuff. And I was just like, oh, I guess I just hate Los Angeles. I guess Los Angeles is just like the worst city Uh, Because it was like we went to Hollywood and Highland, Universal City Walk, um, the Santa Monica Pier. And I was just like, oh, I guess I hate this city. Um, So finally, uh, when I moved out here after college, um, because I had some family that I could like rent a room from, uh, I finally started discovering the parts of it that I like, like in it took me like years to finally like fall in love with Los Angeles but mm. um, yeah like once you it's it's very much a city that like depending on where you are uh, the vibe changes immensely right um, so you really I, I guess like with any other city you have to find you know the yeah. parts that fit you but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's, I don't remember how I got onto that, but um, yeah. Well, what part yeah, of the city I,
0: you're in North Hollywood and
1: um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. So
0: you got uh, from, from college to prop master, give us a little.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I moved out and um, was like trying to get on sets and um the easiest way like usually whenever anybody comes out here they become a production assistant which is just the gopher like you you know make sure people don't walk through set when you're shooting in public you change the garbage liners like any like general thing it falls to the pas um and i uh In college, when we were like self-producing stuff, like little sketches with friends and short films, um, your position on the film was kind of based on what equipment you had. So like, uh, if you, if you owned a camera, you were the DP, the director of photography. (laughs) If you had, if you like owned like a, a road microphone, you ran sound, um, (laughs) Uh, and I had none of that, but I was very good at, uh, thrifting. So I was just like, well, I guess I could like find some props that we need. Cause like, I, I know all the thrift stores in the area so I can, I can hit them all up. Um, so when I, I moved out to Los Angeles, I just started, um, looking for, uh, art PA positions just because it was a little more specialized. And what I found is that, um, if I wanted to actually get on set, um, it was a lot easier to do that as an art PA on small projects than a, like a production PA. Um, just cause like I ended up doing like more hands-on stuff, more like fabricating little props, more like, especially on like smaller uh, indie budgeted stuff, doing a lot of like set dressing, which is basically like loading in all of the like furniture and wall furnishings on a set and setting it up and making it look right on camera. Um, and so I kind of just started building a resume through doing that. Um, and sort of fell into props. Um, I did a lot of work with, uh, AFI, which is the American Film Institute out here. Mm -hmm. It's like a film conservatory grad school that like, you know, like David Lynch and Darren Aronofsky and Terrence Malick all graduated from. Yeah. Um, And they do a lot of like shorts and thesis films uh, and need a lot of unpaid uh, help. Uh, So I kind of got into that crew and did a lot of, uh, uh like short films, uh, as prop master on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once, once those people started graduating, they kind of threw me some work. And then I eventually through one of those, uh, got into working with this company, Nerdist. Um, which at the time was uh, Chris Hardwick's company. And they did just a ton of like weird little, like like YouTube sketches and that kind of stuff. And that kind of became my, uh, like our department grad school. Cause I, you know, there were maybe like two, sh- sometimes three shoots a week that we had to do. And it was all very like, as I, I was there for like five or six years, on and off. Um, it was called Nerdist. And... I-S-T,
0: N-E-R-D-I-S-T.
1: I-S-T, Yeah, yeah.
0: Nerdist. Okay. Yeah. Chris Hardwick's thing.
1: Um. Yeah, and yeah. and worked on like some really cool shoots with like really um fantastic people, and it and it kind of set me up for um having a career in this, and it like. Mm-hmm. It let me, that was my time where I got to like fail the most with the least repercussions, I guess, because like, because everything was so sort of by the seat of your pants, like their expectations were really low, but I was lucky to work with some people on the art side who were um, kind of always pushing us to like, try new things and like go a little further and like learn new techniques that we had never learned before. Cause it was like, look, we're getting paid to do this on this company's dime. Like by that time they'd been bought by legendary pictures. So there was like a weird amount of money behind these like little, uh, sketches that sometimes would, you know, sometimes would get a lot of views and sometimes, very much would not, but like, we got to, um, yeah, use legendary pictures money to like build a reel, essentially build like a show reel. Um, and that was like really rewarding a lot of the time. Um, I did not sleep much through that period of my twenties, but, um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was nice. It, it, it was very much like my art, art yeah. department grad school. Yeah.
0: I remember AFI put together like a list of their top 100 films of all time or something mm-hmm. like that. And I remember, yeah, like I, I went through that whole, I watched every one of those films at one time and, you know, yeah, tried to, it was kind of fun. Just a, a pop, a pop version of AFI, I guess, you know, that, mm-hmm. It, it is interesting. Like I grew up, I was born in 61. So I grew up in the sixties mm-hmm. and seventies. So like when I watched mad men, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there were like, you know, Oh, we had that lamp or Oh, we had mm-hmm. that chair or, <laughs> or Oh, yeah. I remember that lava lamp or, Oh, I remember, you know, you just, there was just so many objects in that thing that yeah. I was like, I like it just, And I don't even know where all that shit went. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, we just cleaned out. My mom and dad moved last year and uh, they were in a house that we were in for 49 years. Can you believe that? And then finally moved out. They're in their eighties, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, there was crap that we threw away, but it was literally like going through a time capsule, you know, and uh, it, it just, but yeah, I, there's, there's fascinating how, objects can create emotion Mm -hmm. in scenes and connect people to a scene. It's really interesting. Yeah. Anyway, places, things, that kind of stuff. Well, man, um, how do people let's like, so one of the things that Matt worked with you on is called blind covers Mm -hmm. and we've, we've introduced, uh, we, we need to kind of wrap up here, but I want to, I want to, give some people some ways that they can look at some of the work you've done. So like yeah. Brian blind covers would be one, you have a YouTube channel called blind covers and we've interviewed mm-hmm. Sam Wells. We've interviewed, you know, uh, uh way, way back. We've interviewed Matt prior, uh, a number of the people that you, you did on the blind covers. We've, mm-hmm. you know, our audience would have uh, heard interviews with, so check that out. What's uh, What are other, what are some of the other thing ways that people could see some of your work?
1: I mean, that's the biggest one. Uh, I, I do some, uh, photography on Instagram at our but blind covers is kind of the big one. Um, I'm hope, I'm hoping we'll be able to, to start making more episodes of those, but, um, yeah, basically it's, uh, just a, a show where we, we do an interview with an artist and then, give them the lyrics to a song they've never heard before and they have an hour to write a cover of it. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a, a fly on the wall of, uh, creatives working under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it kind of gives you a look at, you know, how they operate as a unit or as an like, as an artist, like under, um, Uh, like given certain obstructions basically. Yeah. Um, And yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you have um, I'm curious, do you have like a, a spot where some of the movies that you've worked on or some of the shorts that you've worked on that there where people could go and see a list of things that you've worked on and then watch those, watch those films or movies or shorts or YouTube shorts or whatever they are?
1: Um, I mean I'm on IMDb. That that's like the 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 most collected list of my projects. Okay. uh, They're all they're all kind of scattered.
0: Yeah. No, but that helps. I remember (laughs) I I I saw some of the stuff on IMDb. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, cool, man. Well, thank you so much for connecting with us, Mitch. And uh I uh I I like getting an education on this stuff because it's it's Mm. part of you know, I've always I'm a movie goer. I tend to, I'll do deep dives sometimes. Like if I really have a favorite thing, I'll, I'll buy the box set and watch all the, yeah, on that and read up on, you know, I'll, I'll do a lot of study on a particular film if I love it. And I've been mm-hmm. a very amateur, very amateur, like film critic, but I've always liked that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so getting to, uh, getting to hear how, how some of the how some of the insides work and hearing your your creative journey is a lot of fun yeah thanks so much um yeah thanks for having me appreciate it and uh let's uh i like if you um if you make it back out here to kansas city and and do some more blind covers i i want to i want to be sure and stay in tune with that yeah absolutely All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in to Spirituality Adventures, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, Mitch, for joining us. We appreciate it. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then Go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, and make a one-time donation, or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.